You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McCormick. You can find more about me at seanmccormick.com. I'm a performance coach, life coach, relationship coach. I also do weddings and uh, haven't done a funeral yet. Corny, corny. On today's on today's show, we're joined by Joe Cohen, who is the founder of Self Hacked and Self Decoded. Joe Cohen has been in the personal optimization and biohacking and life hacking space for a long time, and this is a very very unique conversation for some of you that don't know. Google changed the way through an update that you find information about health and wellness. Alternative health, natural health, integrative health, those are now naughty words according to Google, which makes it harder and harder for us to find meaningful information on the internet to support our optimal performance. It's troubling. It's massively troubling. It's destroyed a lot of businesses. And we go deep into what this means for our own ability to research ways, articles that will make us be healthier, happier, more productive people. Also in this episode, we talk about uh, the case for brewer's yeast, which he takes every single morning in a smoothie. And we also talk a fair bit about microdosing LSD. Obviously, it's a little bit of a controversial topic, but it is a pretty fascinating conversation because he breaks down how he does it, what what the benefits are, and I'll give you a hint. The benefits include wakefulness promotion as well as mood elevation. We talk about uh, the concept that we all use drugs. We all use drugs of one type of another, exogenous, endogenous. We all have these addictions to drugs. Is it caffeine? Is it alcohol? Is it nicotine? Work, love, tobacco. It's just a matter of having the right mix of drugs in our lives that work for us instead of take our lives over. Joe is a very skeptical person, and he is the type of person that I really love to have on the podcast because he just calls BS on stuff that doesn't make sense. And we talk in depth about this issue. And he suggests not using Google at all when you're searching for health topics because suddenly it's harder and harder to find information through Google for natural health and alternative health. Uh, Really fascinating conversation. I know you guys are going to get a ton out of this episode because after I was finished with it, I was just like, wow, we went there. Um, Yeah. As always, if you enjoy this episode, if you like this podcast, if you're one of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that listen to this episode every single week, if you haven't given us a five-star review yet on iTunes, please jump in there and do that. Also, drop me a line, sean at naturalstacks.com or sean at seanmccormick.com. On Instagram, I'm real Sean McCormick, R-E-A-L-S-E-A-N McCormick. And on Instagram, it's the Optimal Performance Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado... Joe Cohen. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. 
So let's dig right in. Joe Cohen from Self Hacked, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks, man. Great to be here. So I like to ask everybody the first uh, question the same way with each of my guests. And so what time is it where you are and what have you put in your body today? All right. It's 11.26 a.m. And today I ate um, I ate brewer's yeast as a morning shake combined with some supplements that I put in there, like inositol. Um, I put in glycine. Uh, yeah, I, I put in a couple supplements in there, but it essentially, like not supplements that don't taste bad. So they, you know, inositol and glycine are pretty sweet. I also put creatine in there. So those are the three main supplements with the brewer's yeast. And I also put uh, like sugar in there, coconut sugar or whatever, uh, just to make it a bit sweet. Uh, so that was my morning shake. And then I got a little hungry for real food and I ate uh, shawarma meat. So we had takeout, leftover takeout, and I I ate shawarma meat. Not the best quality meat, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, um, tasted good. And then I took my supplements. I have about 15 supplements that I take a day um, in the pill form at least. So like about 15 pills. And uh, the supplements contained uh, galantamine. Um, it contained some uh, polyphenols like curcumin and bilberry. And it contains uh, some vitamins and minerals. Uh, things like zinc. I, I, and I take some magnesium. So basically some supplements and... Uh, then I took a microdosing of LSD. That's a yeah. lot of good stuff, man. That's, <laughs> that's a let, let allow, uh, if you're cool with it, I'd love to unpack that a little bit further. Are you cool with like going, going deep into all of that? Yeah, that's, I'm an open book. Let's do it. Sweet. Uh, and I appreciate that about you. So I know that you, you, you take brewer's yeast and you talk about it as, and you're, you're an advocate for it. Can you, can you give us an idea of, of why you start your day with brewer's yeast? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, I don't, there's nothing I do every day, actually, just to be clear. I mean, I, I, maybe I take my supplements five days a week, but even then I, I, there's nothing I do every day. Just number one. Uh, there's a lot of people who speak about habits and like daily habits and whatnot. I don't think I have any daily habit. Um, zero. There's nothing I do every day. I just every day is just different. Um, I wake up and I don't know what's gonna happen that day. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm just saying that that's what it is. Um, I mean, in some ways, I feel like that maybe helps me be more creative because I'm always just free-flowing things. Um, I don't tend to prepare for things, including speeches or pretty much anything. If I Even if I have a guest on a podcast, I don't prepare for it. Uh, I don't think that's always a good thing, but that's just my personality, and I, 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 you know, I, I go with it. I go with the flow. So in terms of with that said, in terms of brewer's yeast, I'm on a situation where 
I've been traveling. I went to Croatia about a week and a half ago. I, I came back from Croatia. So I went about two and a half weeks. I went for a week. I came back a week and a half ago. And before I went to Croatia, I was, I had issues, like I, I, I didn't have issues. I, um, there was a weekend where I exercised a lot, like 10 hours of sports in that weekend. And I was getting a lot of sun and I was just feeling run down. And then after that, I got on a plane, you know, the planes are the worst for these things in terms of like getting sick. And I went to Croatia for a week, was moving around, you know, I was staying out late and my whole circadian rhythm was messed up. So for the past month, I mean, since since before I left, I've been taking Brewer's yeast pretty much every day because that is the number one thing that prevents me from getting sick and rebuilding my immune system. And so that has been like the most important thing. And probably it might stop, uh, you know, relatively soon because I've, I feel like I've already gone past any kind of risk from getting sick. Because again, I overexercised. Uh, I've I've also had stressful situations in the past month, uh, traveling across you know ten hours, eleven hours of time zones, uh, staying out late, um, you know, partying to some degree, and then traveling back and dealing with uh, some work stresses as well. So. I had to make sure I don't get sick, so that's that is the reason why I've been taking Brewer's yeast um, for now. It's, it hasn't always been the case. It's just something I've been doing for the past month. In terms, you want me to go through um, my supplements, or you want me to focus on the uh, uh, my, uh, the microdosing LSD? <laughs> I def I definitely want to get to the microdosing LSD, um, but what what is it about the Brewer's yeast that helps with immunity? So it's one of the only things, really. I mean, it has a very unique mechanism of action, where it has the it has a lot of nucleotides, and these nucleotides stimulate the immune system. They're kind of like fuel for the immune system. Besides it being very nutritious, it has uh, you know, so it has a bunch of nutrients. It has some proteins. It has cysteine. Uh, cysteine can help prevent you from getting sick. So it has amino acids, which can be helpful. They boost the immune system. Uh, then it has the nucleotides. It also has beta-glucans. These are the main immune stimulants in uh, brewer's yeast. And nutritional yeast is the same thing. Um, but, yeah, the brewer's yeast kind of uh, – you just have to get the right tasting one for what you want to do with it. So, Huh. Yeah, that, that was going to be one of my questions. Is that the same as – uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. same same benefits. Yeah, the nutritional yeast you got to get a certain kind because they usually they're more likely to add synthetic vitamins to it. So if you don't want that, then you want to get certain kinds. Uh, but they, there's there's nutritional yeast without synthetic vitamins, and and a lot of the brewers yeast does, doesn't either have synthetic vitamins. You know, it's it appears to me that a lot of people struggle with yeast overgrowth, uh, just from our Western diet. You know, candida and gut irritation. Um, you know, eventually and possibly leaky gut. Does does that does the yeast contribute to that? If that if you're somebody that's already dealing with uh, with a overgrowth. Well, no, that's the short answer. Uh, yeast is kind of like bacteria. It's just an organism, and there could be good yeast and bad yeast, right? And there could be 
good bacteria and bad bacteria. The good bacteria competes with the bad bacteria. This kind of yeast is inactive yeast. It doesn't cause anything malicious or nefarious to grow within your body. So it has nothing to do with uh, the other kinds of yeast. Just it sounds the same. Huh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it has similarities, but it's not a living organism that can grow within your system and cause problems. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Let's now, let's now dig in, dig into the microdosing a little bit. How long have you been doing it? Are you following a protocol and why? Yeah. So I've been doing it for about six months. I've done it a year and a half ago or something like that. So it's not, I'm not completely new to it, but I've been doing it for around the past six months and I do it I do it off and on. My protocol, actually, I, I stumbled upon a protocol based on self-experimentation. And then I happened to have listened to like a world-renowned expert on this area in psychedelics. Like he's doing the research for MAPS and he's very involved. This guy really knows his stuff. Uh, so I, he actually gave a talk at, at the conference I was at and he mentioned a protocol and I was thinking I do that same exact protocol. All right. <laughs> I didn't, he was doing the protocol that they, he saw seemed to work well for people. And I was doing the protocol that seemed to work for me. And the protocol in va vaguely is you take it, you take a microdose two days on one day off. Like you don't take it every single day. And like I said, I do it just, kind of like i guess that was my you know i'll, I'll think like am I, am I in the mood for a microdose right now you know and i'm not in the mood for it every day so that's why i didn't I, I didn't take it every day whereas but actually it's better because you know your 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 receptors get uh desensitized if you take it every day whereas i mean it's not necessarily terrible but if you want to if you want you know if you want the benefits you want to stop stopping to take it and then continuing will make you will allow you to be more sensitive to it over time. So you definitely want to do something like that. Two days on, one day off, or whatever. It's something that is on and off. You don't want to just constantly on. The other thing is the dosage. So a lot of people do microdosing. They take uh, you know, if you if you think of a hundred micrograms as a hallucinogen hallucinogenic dosage, um some people will do microdosing as 20 gram, 20 milligram micrograms. And the problem is that that's actually pretty strong. I found that around the five microgram range is what was most beneficial for me, even less, maybe one to five. But basically around that area, one to five instead of five to 20. So we're talking about the, yeah, the, the micro, I mean, the, so the dosage is very important. The intervals are important, and then the time of day is also important. I find that if I take it at night, it makes me, uh, it makes it harder for me to go to sleep. So I take it in the morning or earlier in the day, and that's so. These three points were brought up at the conference uh, that I that I was at. So that, that that is how I think people should take it if they're interested. But also, I'll adjust the dosages slightly. Um, for example. If I'm, you know, if I'm experiencing a lot of stress, I will up the dosage more than than normally. 
because I found that it's probably the most effective stress uh, reducing supplement, if you will. Interesting. I I have not, in my experience and in what I've read other people's experiences, that that they don't make that strong of a correlation as a stress manager, more as a speed of thought, um, um, being able to think more holistically about problems and issues and creative projects. Um, is there, I don't notice that it does that so much. Really? So, it's, yeah. so, so really the way that you use it as, is as a, um, mood enhancer. It's a, mainly as a mood enhancer, um, as a wakefulness promoter, a mood enhancer. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Wakefulness. I use it as a wakefulness promoter and a mood enhancer. There are, I have seen reports that some people use it for increased creativity, for improving cognitive function. So I've definitely seen those reports. I don't find benefits from that. Can you describe the sensation, the effect and the feeling that, that you, that you experience, you know, with, with one to five micrograms? So one to, it depends how, uh, you know, adjusted you are to the dosage, right? So if I, you know, if I'm taking it every day or if I'm taking it for a while, even if I get off of it, you know, I have to get off of it for like at least two weeks to then be more sensitive to it. Uh, But basically, yeah, it depends how sensitive I am. If I'm, you know, now I took one to five micrograms, I wouldn't really notice consciously that much. I probably took five micrograms today. I do notice it. It's not like super strong or anything. And what is, what's the feeling? Just relaxed, better mood, just chilled out, more chilled out. Huh. What was the name of the conference that you went to and who was, who was the instructor or the presenter? The presenter was named uh, David Rabin and he is an, he's an MD, PhD. And I don't really care about credentials so much, but this guy actually knew what he's talking about. Uh, so forget about the credentials. He knew his shit. I was talking <laughs> to him about the uh, the serotonin receptors. He really knew his stuff. Because I know about these receptors. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's not my research area. Like, I, I don't spend that much time on it. But if somebody knows more than me about these topics, then they know their shit. So... Yeah, so, uh, oh, and the conference was uh, Baby Bathwater. Baby Bathwater, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's just, it's an entrepreneurial conference. And, uh, the, you know, the, it was it was cool. It was on a private island in Croatia. And you're just with fellow entrepreneurs. And, uh, yeah, and there's there was some interesting talks. That was one of them. That's very cool. Yeah, there's a lot of psychedelics that uh, <laughs> everyone in that conference is into psychedelics. Do you uh, – not surprisingly, uh, it makes sense that they would be because they can and because they're amazing. <laughs> um, uh, is it? It's interesting to watch them catch on. Do you worry at all about – 
abuse? I mean, and and let me let me qualify that question because I don't think that taking a megadose and having a deep important experience is a bad idea. I don't think that that's abuse. But what I'm really thinking about is the culture around microdosing for the hashtag grind culture. Um, do you have any do you have any reservations or, or thoughts on it you know being sort of something as magical and important as as a, as a psychedelic being sort of I don't know bastardized or abused does that thought ever cross your mind I mean you can abuse anything really and anything that's good you can abuse uh, you know you can abuse uh, you know, anything I think that's good can be abused and I think moderation is important for whatever you do number one now with that said i think it's clear if you look at society everyone has a drug the question is what is your drug there's nobody who does not have a drug i have yet to meet anyone in the world who does not have a drug now it could be someone's drug is exercise and they just addicted to those endorphins and they exercise five hours a day, they go to marathons. Is that healthy? No. Very unhealthy in my opinion, right? So that is something that is could be abused. And there's, I see a lot of people doing that. They're running these marathons and it's like you're killing your body. Okay, you're, maybe it's, you know, why I, I try to get information from people. Why are you doing that? Because they like it. That's what it comes down to. And then, um, you know, then there's other people who are addicted to power, they're, they may they might be addicted to the work or something. Uh, they might you know. I think you know. I'm a I work a lot, but I wouldn't say I'm addicted to it. I'm you know I, I'm I'm very into it. It's it's a passion project, but it's not something that is uh, the be all end all for me. It's like I mean it isn't very important for me. I'm very passionate about what I do, but some people I would say uh, have work as an addiction now. That might not even be a good thing for society. I don't think it's the best thing for the individual. For example, let's take Elon Musk, right? He has an addiction to work. He can't get away from it. Um, I think that's great for society because he's doing some great things, and I'm I'm happy that he is addicted to work. Uh, I feel bad for him a little, but <laughs> you know the the point is is that he's it, it's kind of like a it's something that he's I, I feel that he's probably addicted to. Uh, everyone has, you know, everyone has their, some people have religion, right? Where they don't have any drugs. That's why a lot of people who are very, very religious, you know, they, they, I know a lot of people who are re very religious. They were into drugs, they got it out of it, and then they went into religion. Uh, and then you have things like Alcoholics Anonymous, which is kind of like a religion. There's a lot of religious uh, ideas and things going around there. Now, I have no problem with religion, just like I have no problem with drugs or exercise. If someone really loves exercise, they're welcome to exercise as much as they want. I won't do it, but other people can do what they want. If someone really loves religion and uh, they are can be as religious as they want, good for them, right? It's, it's a relatively harmless drug. Um, and, you know, so the way I see it is people are... Is some people have a love as their drug just chasing love all the time or whatever right so everyone has their own drug and the drug can change at different times in your life the most 
common drug is alcohol. Everyone I meet is into alcohol. Let's go to a bar. Let's, you know, like, it's like, no, I don't like alcohol. It's a, it's a harmful drug. Uh, I don't like how I feel from it. And it's hard on your body. And yet, you know, if you're a college student and you're not drinking alcohol, there's probably something wrong with you. So binge drinking among college students, among, uh, you know, people who are younger is, is the norm, I would say. And uh, binge drinking is classified as drinking like five drinks or over, I think, in a night. But basically, it's it's something that's very common, especially people who are not very religious, right? When you if if you're a strong Christian, you are less likely to probably have a strong alcohol addiction. This is just based on what you know my observations are. So my answer is is that everything is a drug. Uh, the question is, what is your drug of choice? Now I can throw that back on you and ask you because I'm curious, what is your drug of choice? Could also be a bunch of supplements, by the way. Um, if that's something you want to share. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. I think this is a fascinating conversation. Not at all where I thought it would go. Um, but, um, I'm excited for it. So I, I mean, caffeine for sure. Caffeine is a huge one. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, I, <laughs> caffeine. Okay. I, I don't know how I overlook caffeine, <laughs> Yeah. but yeah, I mean, people drink like eight cups of coffee a day. It's like, are you not, are you seriously not addicted to that drug? Is that very healthy and doing it? Except now, again, I think the healthiest thing is taking you know a number of drugs in moderation if you drink one cup of coffee and you're not sensitive to caffeine or anything that could be a healthy behavior you know could be healthy for your cardiovascular system to drink some alcohol it could be healthy to feel as part of community and belong to something bigger than yourself right without necessarily being fanatical about it so you know the, the healthy way usually is moderation of a number of drugs, you know, exercising a reasonable amount every day. And so for me, microdosing is one of the many drugs, if you will, that I that I do. One of that the other some of the other ones are like being passionate about work. It's just, you know, sports and exercise is another one. I play volleyball on the weekend. So I have a mixture of drugs and uh, supplements are definitely part of that. Uh, and then microdosing psychedelics is just one component of it sometimes nicotine as well but that's more rare but anyway I, um as you were saying caffeine what else yeah um i'm i might yeah i don't know that i'm addicted to my work i work a lot and it occupies. but you're probably passionate about it yeah for okay, sure. So well, if you're yeah. passionate about work, that is a drug. It doesn't mean you're addicted to the drug, right? You could take it doesn't mean if you're having a cup of coffee, it doesn't mean you're addicted to caffeine, but it is a drug that could be addictive. Some people are addicted to caffeine, and if it's abused, it's not good. Yeah, right. It's it's like you said, it it's about finding the right mixture and balances and and if you are addicted to certain even neurochemicals like you said you know if you're addicted to the dopamine from exercise that's that's one thing i i you know i think that there's a possibility i might i might be addicted to cannabis okay uh, you know that's i i've had a long-term relationship with with what i see as a master plant i'm not sure if you're familiar with like the the ayahuasca um the shamanic you know Amazonian jungle, jungle shamanism uh, talks about master plants. Are you familiar with this concept? 
No, no. So the concept is is that there are certain plants that are considered more powerful, more sentient, more valuable, and more collaborative with human beings than others. So one example is cannabis is a master plant. Uh, the ayahuasca vine is a master plant. Uh, some other examples are like lavender, uh, um, cacao, um, you know, even like blackberry, you know, in the jungle in where these shaman explore these plants and, and diet just these plants to gain a better understanding so that they can use them as tools later through harnessing the energy of these master plants to treat people in ayahuasca ceremonies. You know, there's plants like uh, jungle chai and pinon blanco. So these are, the concept is that these are, these are bigger, smarter, more usable plants. These are master plants. So for me, I have had a relationship with cannabis off and on since I was probably 20 or 21. And, and I've, you know, I took all of 2017 off of cannabis and alcohol just to, just to see if I could do it, just to recalibrate similar to taking a day off, you know, from a microdosing protocol. I wanted to take a year off cannabis so that I could reorient my relationship with it. Uh, because I believe it to be a very strong medicine as, as you know, and I know that, you know, a ton about, you know, um, uh, cannabidols, um, CBD receptors and so forth. Uh, but I, I use it for a lot of different reasons. You know, I have my, um, I've got my vape pen here that I puff on before I jump into podcasts cause it helps bring my mind into a state. Um, you know, and later I'll, you know, smoke a joint after the kids go to bed. So right. I think it's fair to say that I'm addicted to cannabis but also it has this these massively powerful properties that are doing good things for my body and my brain. 100%. So, yeah, I mean, you've it seems like you're not going overboard with any of them based on what I'm hearing. It's you're doing a little bit of caffeine, a little bit of this, a little bit of, a little bit of that and you know, even cacao is a drug as well, right? So, um I'm actually looking at a chart here of harm caused by drugs. And this is a famous study. And uh, the number one harm, the number one drug as that causes the most harm is alcohol. And the number two is heroin, crack cocaine, and then methamphetamines. So I would never take heroin, crack cocaine, or methamphetamines because those will, you know, they, they have a high likelihood of killing you or destroying your brain. Uh, alcohol, you can do in more moderation, but the amount of people, because I think people are not having other drugs, people are over relying on alcohol. Ah, oh, that's yeah, and that's why it's number one. I mean, people have drinking been drinking alcohol from you know the beginning of time, pretty much. You know, so it, it's something that has been around for a really long time. And in the olden days, they uh, in the Middle Ages they didn't even drink water; they just drank alcohol because the water was contaminated. So, alcohol has a long history with humans. And I don't, I don't think because it caused a lot of harm, you want to outlaw it. However, it's something that since, 
you know, all these other kinds of drugs, you know, if people are not exercising, if they're not into the, you know, if they're, if they hate their job, they're not exercising, they don't have a meditation practice, you know, they don't have a religion, religion is dead in America, right? Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad or good thing, I'm just saying that's what it is. I mean, not dead, there's a lot of religious people in America, but it's much less than it was uh, 50 years ago. Uh, but the point is, is that people then resort to alcohol and you have then the, the, you know, the most like most of the harms that I know caused by drugs are actually from alcohol. Oh, this guy was addicted to alcohol. How common how many people do you know were addicted to alcohol and what it did to their life? I mean, yeah. you know, it seems like every third person, <laughs> yeah. you know, so. You know, alcohol. So it, it's it's alcohol in excess, and I think that we'd actually be better off if we, um, you know, if we had more scattered drugs. Like we gave a little, maybe some nicotine here, a bit of caffeine, some exercise, uh, get some sun. You know, that would make you happier. You know, try to be more passionate in your job. Maybe meditate a bit. And that's kind of like what people do when they are trying to get off an addiction. They try to connect to religion. They try to connect to other things in the world. So I, I, and, but, and so actually on the flip side, the drugs that cause the least harm, uh, the bottom three, LSD is number is, is one of the least harmful drugs and mushrooms is in the lowest category. So I think people would be better to take more mushrooms and LSD and less alcohol. <laughs> here, here, <laughs> here, here. But microdosing. I mean, if you're taking it in a higher dose, you want to be. You need to take that responsibly as well. So, the 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 more strong a tool is, the more you 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 shouldn't be abusing it. And that goes for exercise. It goes for getting sun. You know, a, a half hour of sun is great. An hour of sun is good. Nobody's telling you to get three hours of sun. And and sun actually increases the opioids in. Uh, it, it increases your endogenous opioids, your your natural production of opioids. So one of the th reasons why I think heroin uh, has gone up, like the opioid crisis, if you will, is opioid crisis is, is definitely number two. Alcohol and opioids are the worst. There's actually two reasons I believe that that happened. One is the destruction of jobs in the middle of America. And so basically you had all manufacturing go to China now people don't really have jobs, or if they do, it's not the same kind of respectability of the jobs that they used to have in manufacturing. And so you, ha you see a lot of the mil middle of America, they get hooked on opioids. So one that's what's one reason, I think. Uh, another reason could be the decline of religion. And a third reason is I think people are not getting enough sun. People are indoors more, and you know they're living unhealthy lifestyles, but... So the lack of sun is, you know, it's, it's causing less actual, like internal opioids that we're producing. And I think people then are relying on external sources of opioids like, um, you know, fentanyl, heroin, things like that. Yeah, I think, I think you're totally right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a symptom of our modern lifestyle to the fact that we work inside all day and don't get sunshine and overuse caffeine and have to talk about television to people that we don't like uh, just to break the ice. And, and of course we're going to turn to Xanax 
and Valium and Oxycontin to like feel good for a minute. And it's super scary. And I, and I think we obviously most folks are not, not far enough down the road or not, not taking, not microdosing are not exploring the access to microdosing psilocybin or microdosing LSD. And so what's the closest thing, a doctor's visit, you can, you can go, you know, get, get a prescription for something that's going to make you feel happy for a minute and help you sleep. And it's, and it's scary and it's scarier now that the powers that be that operate our access that filter our access to information like Google are now steering people away um, deliberately from alternative forms of wellness, alternative ways of lifestyle and natural remedies and vitamins. I mean, I'm sure uh, I'm, I'm curious if, if the new format for suppressing natural remedies has affected you at self-hacked at all. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, way to get into that because that's actually something that I think needs to be spoken about. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the new rating of Google, I mean, look, uh, just to be clear, I'm probably the most skeptical person that you would ever meet in this world. <laughs> I'm one of the most skeptical people. I mean, even the guy who uh, invited me to the conference, he's like, you're extremely skeptical. I think we could use some skepticism in this conference because usually entrepreneurs are very optimistic and, you know, and, and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm an anomaly in that regard. I'm open-minded, I'm optimistic, but I also have this deeply entrenched skepticism where I always think in the back of my mind, is that bullshit, right? right. <laughs> so just to be clear, like, I, I don't have uh, a view that Google is a shill for Big Pharma and that they're doing this for malicious reasons. I think they have a genuine view. Uh, and, and again, I could be wrong, but my view is that I think Google is trying to give people the best information possible. Okay. Now, the problem is, is that you know, people make these decisions. There are certain people that are making the de these decisions in Google, and they might be influenced by a certain ideology. That's where the problems come in. And so um, I think the, the in June 3rd, they, they released basically two medic updates, it's called. Uh, one medic update, they, they're named medic updates because they, they, um, they all of the alternative health websites got nicked and self-hacked was actually included in that list of people who got harmed very much by these updates. Yeah. And so, you know, you, the, the, if you think about why Google did it, I think there is a value. There are a lot of alternative health websites and you might disagree. You might not, I don't know, but there are a lot of alternative health websites that have a lot of quackery. They make statements, they don't back it up, and I don't think that the level of information is very good, right? I'm not, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of them. Now, again, everyone has their own point of view. You can, you know, you can believe what you want, but that's my very highly skeptical viewpoint. Now, with that said, there's 
Google, Google decided to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And what I mean by that is they took a broad brush stroke and basically any website that is somewhat in the alternative health space got got demolished. They they completely penalized the site. And what I tried to do is I tried to figure out cuz Google tells you to do this. They tell you get a random person, get a third party and ask them, does this site strike you as authoritative? Is it reliable? Is it trustworthy? And we do everything possible to reference every single statement on self-hacked. And we have 200 references per post. We have scientists writing it. Every scientist that we hire goes through four hours of rigorous tests. They have to do technical tests. They have to do logical reasoning tests. They have to do reading comprehension tests. And I, I, I did this process so that we can get the best, most accurate science out there. I don't, I, I'm very against having any references being inaccurate. And the, tr and the truth is, is that if you have a post that has 200 references per article and your list and you put the reference next to each statement, it's possible if you don't have a good writer, first of all, if you don't have a good writer, probably half of the references are going to be wrong. But even if you have a good writer, it could be one out of 200 references. There was a slight mistake, you know, slightly misread. I'm very careful. I want every single reference to be right. And so that's why we go through a very extensive uh, vetting process of our writers. And then after they're vetted, they have to write a post, and then we have scientists look it over and see if they can find mistakes in it. And then even after that, if we see they're making science mistakes, we get rid of them. So we have the most strict science vetting process out there. And, um, and we really only take like super smart people to work for us as writers or anything. And if you notice a lot of these other health, a lot of these other websites, none of the writers have credentials, generally speaking. And the reason is because it's harder, it's, it costs more money to hire writers that have credentials. And we take the, you know, we don't hire writers with credentials, but it turns out that a lot of people who know science have credentials. So most, almost all of our writers have credentials in the science space. So with that said, we are very, very careful about having the best science out there. But Google has still penalized us, and they, the reason, I think, is because they're using some generalized algorithm, and it might have to do with something like, you know, if other alternative health websites link to us, then they'll count us in the alternative network. If we use terms that maybe are used in the alternative health space, then we will be counted as an alternative website. But I asked, you know, third parties, do you trust this? Is this authoritative? Everyone who looked at the site said, yes, I trust it, it. You know, it's more trustworthy than the other sites. It has every reference. It's 200 references. It's all linked. It's very thorough. You could see a lot of time has been put into it. We really dig down and deep into it. And then I see these other sites that are complete bullshit. And they're ranking well because they're in the quote unquote conventional space. And I can bring one website um, so I decided to look up a term. These are with the new rankings. So I looked up N-acetylcysteine. I'm like, all right, what the what the hell comes up in Google? Like, let me check this out because you know we used to be number one for that post, and for good reason. We have a very good post on it, and now we're number 35 in Google. So it's somewhere on 
the uh, third page of Google, which you don't see. <laughs> so I decided to look at who comes up as number one. Um, so I, there's, you know, let's, we can type it in and we see there's like WebMD, Healthline, and uh, let's see. And, and so, okay, WebMD number one, Healthline number two, and PubMed number three. So PubMed, who the hell is reading PubMed, right? The, the whole reason we exist is to, is to take research in PubMed and break it down for the lay audience. Maybe if you're a scientist, you're going to want to read PubMed directly. But for most of the population, you're not going to want to. But that kind of just shows what they did in their rankings. Like even if you have a great article on it, they're, they're going to put other sites no matter what it is. Then you have um, – uh, you know, this hospital, MSKCC, which one is it? It's the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Okay. But anyway, I looked at one post uh, from Very Well Health. And here's what the post says. Uh, I'm, uh, You know, when I was looking at it, as part of the caveat, they just give this bullshit general nonsense that's not backed up by any science. They say little is known about the safety of long-term use of N-acetylcysteine. And acetylcysteine. This is in their caveat section. When I read that, I'm like, that's complete bullshit. We know that N acetylcysteine is very safe. It's just cysteine. You find cysteine in eggs. Um, hospitals have been using this for decades. I mean, they use it for Tylenol poisoning. It's been sold as a supplement. There's no significant reported side effects from taking N-acetylcysteine, right? Maybe if you take a lot, I mean, again, anything could be, can give you side effects if you take enough of it. But they didn't say that it's not safe if you take high dosages. They're taking, we did, little is known about the safety of long-term use of N-acetylcysteine. That's a bullshit statement. And there's no reference even. They basically, what they do is they give all the references, article sources below. You can't tell which statement has which reference. So I don't – if I want to say like I wonder which study said this, I can't check that because now I have to check every single reference that they have. They have – our article probably has 250 references. They brought um, like a handful of references and some of them are from the University of Maryland Medical Center, which is just another bullshit source. So we directly reference everything to a PubMed article because that's – the original researchers who are doing that they're just linking to like webmd memorial sloan kettering all because you're a hospital that put the content out it doesn't mean it's reliable <laughs> you know what i'm saying like okay it's it's a credit you know um it's a mainstream hospital but that doesn't mean that the content that they referenced is reliable they're not doing original research on n-acetylcysteine usually right they're just looking at other research so it's a telephone game you're Referencing a hospital that is hiring random writers, usually, to reference other sites. It's just like a, it's a telephone game. It's a broken telephone. And that's not how you want to do, uh, how you want to write a post. So basically, like, they're, they just make these statements, uh, general statements, like, due to a lack of supporting research, it's too too soon to recommend N-acetylcysteine for any condition. That's a bullshit statement. There's a bunch of research showing that N-acetylcysteine is good for a bunch of things. Um, and it's very safe. Now, the thing is, you can argue about what the level of evidence for each condition is. But just to make a blanket statement due to a lack of supporting research, 
basically they're saying like, hey, look, we hired this idiot writer who can't do thorough research. Uh, the writer has absolutely no credentials. Not that I care about that, but they're probably didn't do. I could see the article. They didn't do any kind of thorough job. And then it says medically reviewed by a board certified physician. It doesn't even tell you who the physician is. Most of these physicians don't know anything about N-acetylcysteine. What is what is um, medical a board certified physician? So maybe they know how to administer emergency medicine or some other kinds of medical care. They don't know that much about N-acetylcysteine. So how is them looking over this content really making this more reliable, right? So what you have is basically like a template of every supplement they have is basically the same thing. We don't know enough about this supplement, and therefore it's too soon to take it for any condition. Although N-acetylcysteine may offer certain health benefits, self-treating a chronic health problem with N-acetylcysteine supplements may have serious health consequences. That's another bullshit statement. No, it doesn't. It does not have serious health consequences if you take N-acetylcysteine, right? And maybe if you're taking 10,000 milligrams, but if you just take one pill or two pills, there's no serious uh, health consequences for taking N-acetylcysteine. So in the alternative health uh, space, you have websites who are overhyping things and say, you know, cure your cancer with this supplement, right? And on this, on the other end of the space, you're saying, they're basically just saying with every supplement, we don't really know that much about it. You know, be safe, talk to your doctor. That's essentially the same refrain that you get from uh, every article. And then it's, it's it's thinly sourced. It's not written by an expert or someone who's really rigorous in their science. They reference like four articles, four scientific articles. The whole article is terrible, right? And and this is and I've asked people to compare it. So what Google did, I think, is wrong. I think it's a terrible thing that they did because they basically had some algorithm that you know if you're somewhat in the, like, I. it could be that if you're just talking about alternative medical topics too much, like maybe you're talking about too many supplements, too many, you know, maybe you're talking about brain fog and then, you know, that's kind of not as medically accepted or fibromyalgia or whatever. I don't know what their algorithm is, but basically they have some algorithm that if you, if they can pin you in alternative health, they will penalize you. You will not show up on Google. And I think that's a terrible thing because now if you type in any health topic, it's going to be bullshit articles from WebMD, from other bullshit websites. And again, they're bullshit in a different way, bullshit in the sense that they say, oh, we don't know enough about this and not, not as not, nothing's known and, you know, be safe, talk to your doctor, this, that, and the other they don't tell you actually the information from the science, the real information from, just tell me what the science is. I don't need your opinions about what I have to do, right? <laughs> just tell me, what is the science saying? Did the scientific study show it was helpful for this or not? Was this a good study or not? So I think that what happened here is a huge travesty. Um, it's, a, it's a big tragedy. And I think Google uh, made a very big mistake and I personally, I'm not going to be uh, Googling anything in the health sphere because I think 
like you're just going to get the worst sites coming up in terms of the quality of content. So then what are people supposed to do? You know, how can they find access to translations of studies and how it may be useful in their life rather than being fed WebMD articles or, you know, uh, thinly supported claims like what, what, what's, what, what are some people, what are people supposed to do? So I think you, um, okay. So what I would do and what I do for myself, I mean, so number one is often I'll look directly at, if I'm researching a topic, I'll often look directly at the research, but if it's a topic that we've spoken about on self-hacked, then I will click on that topic and put in self-hacked into the search term because then Google will make it show. Um, so if you, you, you have to have a few sites that you trust and, you know, um, um, yeah, I mean, like it's not only sites that you want, you want a few things in your sites, right? You want something that's going to be thorough. Um, you want it to be cited so that, you know, when I look at a site, if I don't see a reference next to it and I just see a bunch of them at the bottom, I'm just like, what the hell is this? Like, I'm not looking through seven references just to find where this information is supported or not supported because they don't tell you if it's where they're getting the information from. And so I personally hate that. Um, and cause you can't also fact check it. They basically write the content in a way that can't be fact checked. If you want to fact check this article, it's going to take you six days to do it. <laughs> right? right. You might as well rewrite the whole article and that would even be a lot faster. Um, so, I think it's a very big problem that these sites are uh, being, and, and that goes for WebMD, very well health. Uh, I think you need to find a site that is you find is reliable. I think within the health space, um, self-hacked is extremely reliable. I can't say that was always the case, and you know I'm being very, I'm always self-critical. In the beginning, that when we had self-hacked, we had a couple bad writers. There was some posts that weren't so great. And we made things better in the past two years. We, you know, we basically redid any post that's bad. So now every post that you see on self-hacked, it's a, it's it's a very good post. And that's that's more of a recent thing because we, you know, made sure every single post is good. And that was before any Google updates. We were uh, making sure all of our posts were up to, you know, made sure that every post is like an A-level post in terms of the science. But essentially, you have to find a post that uh, a site that you like. Um, Examine is a reasonable site. You know, there's they they reference any site. The site has to reference the information next to it, and it also has to be reasonably reliable. That is the answer. Now, self-hacked is pretty good. Examine is pretty decent. I personally like self-hacked a lot more, simply because it's a lot more lay-friendly. Um, and I'm not just talking about it because I'm the founder. I I really um, I'm being honest about it. I, I find examine very difficult to read. Um, but essentially I, the reason I created self-hacked was because there was no other resource like it on the web. I wasn't interested in some bullshit article that I can't see where they're getting the information from, right? You read an information. Most of the time you're not looking at where it's coming from, but if something's really important to you, you often want to see where that information is coming from. Is this a reliable study? Like we, we break down the hardest parts for the individual and we then allow you to 
see the, where it's coming from. And, and all of our content is also medically reviewed. Um, it's almost all, all of it will be medical medically reviewed within the next few months, but, uh, most of it is medically reviewed. Now we have scientists writing it. We have reviewers. We take a lot of care, uh, of the content. And so what makes most sense now in 2019 is to find a website that you like and Google the term when you're Googling a health topic. So if you want to find out about N-acetylcysteine, you'll put in N-acetylcysteine self-hacked. And I think that's the only way around it because, you know, what Google did is is a real tragedy. Yeah. I just duck, duck, goad. I'm just going to start. I'm going to coin a new term. I just DDG'd N-acetylcysteine and self-hacked is the seventh organic uh, entry. Uh, okay. Just kind of just on a side note as we're talking about it because I was curious because I um, – you know, DuckDuckGo is is supposedly operates obviously outside of the Google algorithms. Um, so I was curious where it would show up and ranking above your article at self tac forty three health benefits of NAC. There's there's Liver Talks. There's RX List. Examine very well health. Wikipedia, WebMD. You know, it's so the the I mean. Google did uh, spend a lot of time refining their algorithms in the sense that if it's not health-related, then they are better than Bing or DuckDuckGo, right? Um, now, the thing is, the other algorithms might rely too much on, for example, uh, domain ranking rather than the quality of the actual content. Um, but if you actually look at Bing or DuckDuckGo, you're right. We are on the first page of Google. And... I don't know. I, I personally think we should be higher up. You can you can judge for yourself. Read the post. Read other posts. You'll see. You'll you'll think that we should be higher up as well. But um, but obviously that's a lot more fair, right? Whether if we're three or five or whatever, or six or seven, that's that's within the realm of reason. Rather than in Google, we're number thirty-five. It's just not within the realm of reason, right? It's like we're not the 35th best post on Google. I'm sorry. Um, that is the best post on Google by far. You can read every single post. I'm, I'm telling you, like, read any post you want. That is the best post. It's the most thorough. It's written the best. It's bro the science is broken down. Everything is referenced right next to it. And we really have we, – we give thorough, uh, thorough information about the benefits, any potential side effects – it's all referenced directly to PubMed. You don't have it's not you don't have to trust any medical reviewer and it's also medically reviewed, written by a scientist. I don't see how we could have done a better job on it. Now, there is something like we're doing we're adding summaries to posts um to make it more easily scannable. That's one thing we're doing. But in general, the quality of of the post is very good and it's not just this post. Really, all of our posts are um, – almost all of our posts are top quality. I can't say every post, but almost all of our posts are top quality. And there's no reason a post like this should come up as number 35. And I know why it does. It's because every health website, every alternative, if you've gotten into that alternative category, even if it's fair or not, I don't know if we're alternative. I think – I see ourselves as just as scientific. I don't care about – alternative mainstream 
I'll talk about drugs. I'll talk about anything. We talk about everything on the site. We don't care about what the label is. Does it have science on it? Is the science good? Just bring down the science. When, we, when I have our, our writers write a topic, I don't tell them, have this in mind, right? There's no, it's like, they know their only expectation is to bring, make the post as thorough as possible, as accurate as possible, and as lay-friendly as possible. And they have no, if, there's no ideology or dogma that they have to, that, that they're told to write it with. Uh, so, yeah, there's no, like, anti-drugs, pro-drugs, you know, pro-alternative, and it's just, but we somehow got linked into the alternative. I think it could have been, when I started the blog, it was more of a personal thing, and so I, I got in, and also we talk about a lot of alternative things, like supplements, nootropics, these are not mainstream stuff, right? It is alternative. So Google identified as an alternative, and we got penalized. So no matter what we're going to do, no matter how good the content is, it's not going to show up. What about YouTube? Uh, I don't think we got penalized on YouTube. I mean, we're, we were never very big on YouTube, though. So I've done well, probably less than 20 podcasts, maybe 15 to 20 podcasts on YouTube. I mean, I have, uh, I have like 13, four, I have like 14,000 followers there. But it was never a big thing that we went after. The, the, I mean... They are censoring other kinds of people from YouTube. Now, you have people like, you know, there's people who, you know, you could make a reasonable case. You know, I would say somebody like Alex Jones, right? I'm not a big fan of Alex Jones. He, sp he spouts a lot of bullshit in my view. Now, you could like him. I don't know what your opinion of him is, but in my view, he spouts a lot of bullshit. But, you know, it's a different question. Should we censor him, Right. Or do you want to fight bad information from with good information? I think that's um, that's a debate to have. Um, I don't necessarily want to weigh in on that debate, but what they did in the health world, I think, is is much worse. They're censoring like actual science. This is not like crazy cockamamie content, right? We're releasing legitimate PubMed studies that have not like. This is science. So if you don't like science, I'm sorry, right? Um, but, you know, Google is supposed to, you know, be interested in science. And I think they just, they, they, they painted a very broad brushstroke. And, you know, they basically said like, okay, you know, alternative medicine, you know, there's a lot of bullshit there. If you're in alternative medicine, you're not going to show up on Google. And that's what happened. Do, do you see, because alternative to me is sort of a triggering word, more than natural health. Do you think that there's a distinction there? Mm. I mean, you know, LSD is not natural. Let's say True. if you're microdosing LSD, is that alternative? Yes. Is it natural? No. I don't know if natural is the best term. I mean, it's, you know, when you use these terms, they're trying to describe something in a very broad way, but it can't always be described in the broadest way. So usually, like I personally, my strategy is not only natural. 
if something is a pharmaceutical and it helps, I don't care if it's natural or not, right? If it has low side effect profile, if it helps, then it's fine. So microdosing LSD, it's not natural, but if it works, if it helps me, then I'll take it. If it doesn't have side effects, then great. Um, so I wouldn't say natural, but most of the things that we do talk about are natural, right? And 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 most of the natural things are considered alternative. So they have, yeah. you know, 98%. If you're looking at a Venn diagram, it's like yeah. 98% overlapping. Well, and that for me, that's that's where that's where it's the scariest because na- when you marginalize and demonize natural health integrated terms like natural health, integrated health, holistic health, those do have a massive overlap with obviously natural, I mean, essential oils and, you know, um, kale shakes and, and supplements and stuff like that. Like that, when you start, the only alternative is pharmaceuticals. And I think that's where that's where my bullshit meter goes off because when you are pointing only to quote unquote what the science says, they're going to you're going if you're doing research on an ailment or you're trying to correct some some deficiency that you have, you're going to land on on a pharmaceutical product before you're going to be able to read an article about the benefits of N-acetylcysteine or NAD or you know. So that's that's where that's where my concern is because I know that sites like you know Dr. Mercola, who's been you know he's the integrative health specialist, you know one of the forefathers of it. Like his web traffic got destroyed, and and the marginalization of alternative. We'll just use the term alternative information around health and wellness. Um, it's, it, to me, it's the beginning of a very scary future for our access to information about our own health. Cause it's likely not going to stop here. It, it we, <laughs> you know, it kind of the, this, it, it all kind of ties in together, you know, like, um, access to information is becoming more and more challenging and to take our own health into consideration has just become um, even more uh, controlled our access and the narrative around around healing and 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 let alone optimal living um, and it's and it's tricky and I hope I hope that people, um, at, le- at least through listening to this conversation, are broadening their awareness of of how they can read between the lines and find find the right data and find the right information that that is that is true and backed by science and and supported. You know, um, it's uh, right. Like I know that a lot of things in alternative, if you want to call it alternative, I don't care what you call it. There's a lot of things that are not being practiced by mainstream medicine that works. These things are currently being suppressed by Google. And I'm saying this as a ma- as a very big skeptic. Um, and I think that's a very big problem. Yeah. That is a huge, huge problem. Whether, you know, the, there's some, and I'm not talking about fringe things. I'm talking about stuff that is 
supported by the science. Like I'm, I'm talking about more conve- like more topics that scientists would agree. The scientists who are conducting the studies, I mean, any scientist, they would agree that this thing could be a benefit. Like if you spoke to them, they would say, yeah, I, I agree with you. That stuff is being suppressed right now. Then we're talking about things that are not like I can argue with anyone about, you know, like, you, you know, tell me uh, any conventional person. Tell me about this topic. If they're going to know about the topic, then they're not going to argue that, oh, this is completely ineffective. Right. It's just not it, it's basically we're saying that they're suppressing things that are are actually like they're 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 not even fringe topics. <laughs> they're not even suppressing fringe or fringe ideas. It's suppressing like a mainstream idea like yeah, exercise can help your mood, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of right. like a mainstream idea. Yeah, yeah um microdosing LSD it's not a crazy idea that microdosing LSD can improve your mood, right? It, it's something that m- you know millions of people have experienced. Uh, they're doing studies on it. There's mechanistic studies. There are animal studies. It makes sense that it improves your mood. There's a lot of kinds of these therapies that it makes sense that they would help you in some way. They are suppressing this. And I think that's like this is already it's not fringe. It's not conspiracy. It's not uh, implausible. It's within the realm. It, it's normal. It's not it's not a crazy idea. That's that is the crazy thing. Yeah, that is crazy. And if they're suppressing this, right, right, articles on mitochondria or, you know, exactly like hydrogen water. Yeah, like water can improve your health. Like they're suppressing <laughs> that stuff. Yeah, you know, exercise is good for you. Sun is good for you. Like what the hell, man? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you suppressing this, mate? Like this is not fringe. Right. Well, it's crazy. It, it it's is crazy. It is crazy, and 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 I'm I I'm really glad that we had an opportunity to dig into this a little bit with you today because I think it's part of having a more open conversation, and I've seen it on other podcasts, but not as much as it should be talked about. Um, you know, what I'd like to do is is to have you maybe tell people again what what they how they should be searching for these things so that they can find access to great articles really insightful um highly sourced uh articles because that is the service that you provide um and you're helping people <laughs> you're giving them great information so what i'd love if if you could just kind of go over again before we wrap this thing up could you tell people again how they can um be more agile and uh, more accurate in how they search for for topics like the ones that you uh, post about? Yes. Number one is I would not use Google anymore for health information. Um, I think that people have to stand up. Google is a business. If they are losing business, they will change their ways, number one. And and that that's number one from a, you know, a, an activist perspective. But let's say you're not an activist. I literally would not use Google anymore for health information. It's just not a good source. And so you want to either use a different search engine like DuckDuckGo, um, number one. And number two is you want to put in a site that you believe is is trustworthy. So when I search for something, I'm either putting in self-hacked or PubMed. 
And again, I'm not doing it because self-hacked is my site. It's just that I know that the the information is reliable. It's it's been curated well. Um, the other thing is actually, so with the current changes, our you our, our previous business model was based on Google, really, right? Google sends a lot of traffic, and we get we we got money through ads and through affiliates. Like basically, what if, if let's say the NAC article, right? It would just be ads. And at the end of the article, we would say, here, go to Amazon and buy it or whatever, right? Um, and again, the, the people who wrote the article are different. Like, we would just add a link in after. So, so a lot of times we'll discourage a supplement or whatever. And you know, we could still put in the link just because whatever. Like, you know, click on this link. buy even Don't even buy the supplement. Buy something else on Amazon. We still get paid, right? Right. <laughs> but in, in any case, um, uh, so... We are getting out of the Google business, essentially. Um, we are stopping to write content for just to be ranked on Google. And it's possible we might take our content and reformat it in other ways. Now, the reason we're doing that is, number one, because Google has basically made it impossible to make money. Right? No matter what we do, Google will not rank us now. I mean, unless they change their algorithm. I'm saying with their given algorithm, no matter how good our content is, Google will not rank us. We could even put like MDs. Uh, we already have PhDs uh, reviewing it and medical professionals, but we can we can do whatever we want. It's not going to make a difference in, in Google size, in my opinion, because they tagged us as alternative and that's it. I, I think like as long as this algorithm is, is staying put, we're done. Uh, so what my plan is, um, and I've had this plan for a really long time already, I've actually been thinking that regular health content is outdated. And the reason is because we have the rise of genomics. We have like a lot of biometric data, lab results, things like that. And we're reading information now, but we're not reading how it applies to us. And so... We're um, starting in, by the time this podcast is released, we are not going to be releasing any new self-hack posts. I mean, we'll, we'll, we might be updating uh, current ones. We won't be releasing new topics. And what we plan on doing is just focusing on our Self-Decode blog. So Self-Decode is the other company that I have. It's selfdecode.com. And it's basically a genetics app where we offer reports about how to improve cognitive function, mood, sleep based on your genetics. And uh, so basically, I mean, this is our previous podcast that got lost, um, was basically all about these reports and how we use genomics and to improve health. But essentially what we're doing is the the whole business model, unless you're WebMD, you know, the business model of releasing content for SEO is dead. I, we, I actually spoke at a summit regarding this at that conference. And I, I spoke at the SEO summit, whatever. They said, so what are your our tips on SEO? I said, don't get involved in it. You're wasting your time, right? If you're writing health content, you are wasting your time with SEO because they will just not rank you. And and some, some of the small sites kind of escaped it a bit just because they weren't big enough to tag one way or another. But they're going to get hit once they hit a certain size. Like Google will just catch on. I've seen it time and time again where... Like the first medic update, 
they didn't get hit, and then the second medic update, they just got destroyed. Like, Google will get you. <laughs> so my advice is do not start any health website because we are very uh, – we, we are knee-deep into this stuff, and we are getting out of it. So SEO within the health sphere is completely dead, and you don't want to get into it. So what we're doing is a subscription model where you know, we're releasing posts regularly, and not only are we releasing like specialized kind of content, it's also based on your genetics. So there's, there's uh, elements that are telling you what your genes are. Like, for example, I just um, I released the first post on the blog yesterday. And the blog is about like how to become more socially, like how to become more popular or better with women. And it turns out that there's specific variants that tell you if how your serotonin receptors are doing. And we can tell, like, based on the information, uh, based on your genetic data, we can tell if your variants, if your genetic variants, if, if it's causing you to be more popular or less popular. And let's say if you have the type that is lower, like, meaning popular is because it's influencing certain traits such as social dominance or leadership or friendliness or whatever. So that is causing, for example, lower attractiveness to in women, uh, lower attractive, uh, women are being less attracted and you're just being less popular. So this is just one topic out of thousands of potential topics that we're going to be writing about. And it turns out that, you know, we basically are able to say, here's what's happening to the gene. Okay, and so your gene, this is what's happening to your gene based on this information, and then we have a fix section. Here's how to increase, or de here's how to fix this gene. Here are a bunch of ways to fix this gene. So now you're not just reading generic health content, whereas you know generic health content could be interesting. I'm sure you know most, a lot of people are reading health content, but what we're doing is we're we're combining health content with genomic content and lab data so that instead of just reading a post about N-acetylcysteine, you're reading a post about it and you're also seeing how it's impacting your metabolism, like how, how it's impacting, how your enzymes are impacting the breakdown of N-acetylcysteine or uh, do you do better on it or worse? Um, and also just in general, like we, we have, we're releasing a whole bunch of topics that are related to brain fog, cognitive enhancement, mood enhancement, and how you can uh, improve your mood based on your genetics. So the future of blogging, I think health blogging is dead. And even, so there's actually a couple ways it's going to die. Even if Google did not do this update, Google is slowly taking out any kind of website in general, they, if you notice more and more, they're coming up with their own results rather than having you link to a website. So what they're doing is they're making it, as time goes on, they keep on making changes that are making it less profitable for websites. So now you have a bunch of different, you know, things that are hitting. You have the, you know, if you're an alternative health website, they just won't show you. But even if you're not, they're going to try to get rid of you over time by just displaying more information directly in Google. Um, and that's why they also got sued recently by uh, 
uh, which site was it? It was a site that gave reviews. Maybe it was Yelp or something. Or oh no, it was a site that had lyrics. Uh, Genius, yeah, Genius sued them because um, they just took the lyrics and didn't send you to the site. They just displayed them on Google, so you don't have to click anywhere, ah. right? So basically, yeah, and and so. Google is slowly trying to destroy businesses, number one. <laughs> and and they have a whole bunch of updates that are – they're going to make their ads more prominent in a new update later. that's, that's coming on later. So they're going to have more ads and less content. And all these things are basically making them more money. They've got shareholders. They're a for-profit business, and they're doing what is going to make them the most money. What's making them the most money is that if you spend more time on their site – they make more money on that. So they don't want you to click to a d- different site. So the few, but the, what that does is they, it basically makes the business model of sites that get traffic from Google dead, right? So not only, forget about the alt, I mean, they are censoring information. That's a huge problem. But then there's also just their, the, you know, they're, they're a business and they're, the way to maximize revenue is to not link to other sites. Uh, and so, even more, I think the whole health blogging is dead. Because I mean, it will be dead in five years because who wants information that is generic? You want information that is suited for your genetics. You don't want generic information. You want genetic information. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah. So I, I, that, for those reasons, we're going to put all of our resources into the self-decode blog um, and you'll be, it's going to be like a regular blog, but you're going to have individualized recommendations about how to improve your, your biology based on your genetics. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's, uh, it's, it's very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. I mean, I'm really excited to see how it continues to develop and, um, yeah, what a resource. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation, and I really hope that the people listening get as much out of it as I did because um, this is just part of being an informed consumer and a citizen of this great nation and being uh, being informed as what's going on in the world. Um, you know, if I, I like to end each podcast with a fill-in-the-blank question, and, and I don't remember what you said because obviously, like you mentioned before, this is our second second go of this because our file got corrupted on our first conversation, which was wildly different. Um, but if you would please fill in the blank, Joe, uh, based on everything that you know, everyone would benefit from knowing. Okay. Uh, everyone would benefit from knowing. I, I think that um, your genes, your genes have a very strong influence on your biology. And there's ways to change your genetic expression in order to improve your biology. And that's, that's honestly what we're doing. We're, we're trying to you know, understand people's biology, their genetics, and give them recommendations that allow them to overcome their genetic weaknesses. Awesome. Joe, thanks for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Hey, great to be here. Great talking. All right. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Cohen. 
you know, as you can tell from our conversation, he has been drastically affected by the new Google Medic updates. And uh, it's going to change the scope of the way that we find information on natural health on the internet. And I think that it's really important that we do find reliable sources to explore our own health and optimal performance. You know, after we turned off the microphones, uh, Joe and I talked a little bit about uh, selfdecode.com, which is the the site that he has uh, founded in conjunction with Selfhacked. And uh, I think I'm going to be submitting my 23andMe data as well as um, blood work from, I don't know, six or so months ago to go through the protocol. And we'll probably do a, a follow-up podcast to hear what my data shows and how he thinks I may be able to optimize my biology through self-decode. If you guys like this sort of information, if this is resonates with you, if you find it interesting, please let me know. I'd love to hear your feedback. And also, if you can, if you would, please, please, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star review. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you because this podcast would be nothing without you uh, beautiful people that listen. So till next week, see you on the internet.